Good morning and welcome to The Breakfast Show. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88, wherever you are, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Maybe you're in a different country, maybe you're listening on the internet, I'm not sure, but what I do know is that you're, you are listening to me, Lawson, and I've got Nathan sitting across from me. Nathan, how you going? Mate, fantastic. Happy to be here. Absolutely. How was uh how was the the day spent yesterday in in New South Wales, Newcastle, you know, beautiful. It was beautiful. It was warm. I was sitting at uh, Shelley and Lyle's house. It was very warm there and uh, it was it was uh chill. I had a really good relaxation session there. It was just sitting in the sun reading my bible and Oh, yeah. praise God. Okay, so yeah. you spent you spent yesterday out here in the in the inland, you know, kind of more rural valley area of of Newcastle. That's awesome. Mm. Dude, so what's it like compared to, you, you said you were out in Canambal. Yeah. What, how would you, would you say there's a big difference between the landscape there and the landscape here? Uh, yeah, definitely. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. There's well, hardly any houses there and uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's lots more kangaroos uh, uh-huh. and it's, uh, it's about four degrees colder. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. So you're truly, you are in the nest there. You are inland cold. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, I, I love traveling inland up to, you know, places like, like Dorigo and, and Dungog and just all these mm. places you can go to that are, that are just nice and just far away from light pollution. Great to camp in, far away from noise pollution as well. Oh, out in the rural areas. Hey, if you're in a rural area this morning, let us, let us know where that being said, you know, I live next to the lake here and I'm, you know, very close to the city and whatnot. And so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm in the thick of it, but you know, I, I, I long, I long for the country. I long for the outback sometimes. Anyway, I, I like living in the city, but I'm like, Oh, maybe, you know, to, to, to live that lifestyle one day, many people recommend it. They're like, man, got to get out to the country. You're listening to the breakfast Joe podcast on faith FM, positively different. And we are going to have our first quiz for today. Uh, first question of the quiz in Psalm 69. What book did the writer want his enemies blotted out of? If oh. you know the answer to that question, uh, text in on 0491-064-669. Question again is, in Psalm 69, what did the writer want his enemies blotted out of? What book? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, our amazing prize for this week is the Revive Cafe Cookbook number eight, and we're actually going to be talking to Jeremy Dixon just in a moment, in about twenty minutes or so. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, guys, you want to get in for this prize? You want the cookbook? Not even if you, maybe you hate cooking. Maybe you're like, I don't want a cookbook because I hate cooking. I've only eaten out my entire life. But do you want to impress people who come to your house with like a beautiful cookbook with amazing photography? just a real presence, you know, a real coffee table, uh, you know, impressive piece. Well, this is the book for you. We'd also love if you'd, you know, learn to cook from it if you don't cook. But hey, 0491-064-669. So, Nathan, we, you know, were chatting yesterday after the show and you divulged a little bit of personal information to me. I'm like, man, why, why don't just get this guy to share his story of how he became a Christian 
on air. So that's what we're going to be doing this morning for good news. And I guess the first question to start off with is, yeah, where do we, where do we start? Where do we start? What does that process look like? Well, I you? guess you got to start, you know, from, from childhood, really, mm-hmm. because that's where we build our foundations from. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I grew up in a single parent home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from, from a young age, I was, I grew up with my mom, my brothers and sisters. And, you know, there was a lot of unknowns. You know, there was a lot of, I guess I was uh-huh. angry, you know, because I never had a dad, didn't, didn't see what the other kids used to see, mm. you know, and I was pretty, I was, I, I feel like I was pretty depressed some of the times as well, you know, and I would, I would lash out in anger sometimes and not realize why. Uh, so it, you know, as, as a child, it was a little bit of a, a struggle trying to understand life and how it works compared to what the people were, uh, doing around me. Um, so, you know, early on in my life, uh, when I was around the age of 12, I met, uh, I did meet a Christian family. My uncle invited our family to a church and I met a Christian family and I, I started hanging out with them and they shared some scriptural truths with me and you know it kind of touched me a little bit but then I thought you know I I, I kind of built a very foundational belief in God from Mm. from their experience and so moving on from that um, you know, I sort of went away from them and started living my own life as a teenager Mm. I started you know started working uh, started working at Macca's moved on from that into a into a bicycle shop And so, this, where, where in the bicycle shop was where the pinnacle point of where I actually wow. met Jesus. Wow. Okay, so you're working away in the bicycle shop. You know, what, what were you doing? Servicing or sales? I was or? doing everything: sales, servicing, uh, <laughs> deliveries. Uh, I was the fitness guru there. I was selling fo- uh, fitness gear as well. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah. Okay, so you, you're in the thick of it. There, 18 years old, and then how does that? you know, situation unfolds. Okay, so this guy walks into the shop and he buys a bike. Uh, well, it took a little while for me to convince him to buy a bike. He wanted me to keep fixing his old bike. And I was uh-huh. like, no, oh, man, I'm going to save you some money. Don't, don't, you know, just buy a new one. It's, and, mm. it, and we had some cheap bikes going on there. Mm. Anyways, he left. He, he eventually got his friend to help him out for some money. He went and bought a bike. Uh, and then he took the bike away. About a week, two later, he comes back and he said, do you know what you sold me? And I said, yeah, I sold you a bike. <laughs> and then he said, no, 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 no. You sold me a Repco Diablo. Mm-hmm. And he goes, do you know what Diablo means? And I said, yeah, yeah, it means devil in Spanish. He said, yeah, so I cut the stickers off and I put some angels on there. These three angels on there, right? So <laughs> wow. it, it's, it's not a Repco Diablo anymore. Yeah, sure. Anyway, so then that built into the conversation of, do you believe in good and evil? And I said, yeah, yeah, I do believe in good and evil. And he goes, okay. And he started talking a little bit about God and then he went away. He disappeared. Mm. Uh, he came back uh, again about a week later and he gave me this book. No way. Right? He gave me this book and I, I, and it's interesting because the journey that I was on there, I actually had some other denominations come in and try and share their faith with me. I had the Muslim, uh, the Mormons. I had the Jehovah's Witness. Oh. Uh, they would come into the shop you know, openly trying to share the gospel with me, right? Yeah. Or, or their version of it. Mm. Anyways, so uh, I was in this journey, like thinking, and I read their material, and I was, and I was at the stage, a pinnacle stage, where I was looking for purpose. I was contemplating life. What's the purpose of life? What's the point of it? And then uh, these things started happening. So this guy, he comes back with his book. He gives me this book, and I'm looking at the name of the book, and I'm thinking, what is this? Who is this author? I've never heard of them. Uh, and I went and took it to my boss, and I said. Uh, my boss, uh, there, were, there were a couple and they were kind of like our mentors, you know, from the age of 16, 17. They were mentoring us into, into life. Um, you know, living in a single parent home. My mum didn't really, um, 
have time to mentor us and show us how to, you know, the, the, the workings of life fully. Mm. And that's what they did. They helped us to understand how wow. that all works. Mm. So I gave her the book and I said, listen, this guy's giving me this book. He's a bit strange. He's talking about the, the biblical concepts. Mm. C- can you tell me what this book is? Mm. And she said, ah, oh, I think I've seen this book before, but let me ask my mom. Mm. And so she goes away. And uh, I think it was a few, I think it was like a couple of weeks before she actually even came back. Mm. And then one day she brought the book back to me and she said, you know what? It's okay. This book is safe. This is from my mom's church. Mm. Uh, this, this book is from my mom's church. One of the authors who wrote this book, um, it, you know, uh, was one of the founders of their church. Mm. And so you're, happy, you're safe to read. So I went home and I read. I didn't really read it, though. I read the back. I wasn't much of a reader, so I read the back cover. I think I read a couple of the first pages, and mm. something just stood out to me like, wow. You know, some, I remember the word something like a beam of light uh, pulses through the atmosphere and there's peace and tranquility. Mm. And, you know, there's no more suffering, there's no more pain. And I just thought, wow, that's an amazing concept. You know, I, and, and in, in, my, um, in my experience of looking for purpose, you know, I guess I was depressed and I was thinking, this is something positive that I can look into. Mm. Anyways, I started reading the book and I thought, wow, this is amazing. So then eventually the guy came back and said, do you want to have Bible studies with me? Mm. And, I was, and my mate was like, nah, man, this guy, you know, he's a bit strange, you know, he, he, you know, he's a bit weird looking. And I said, no, no, no. And uh, my mate said, we don't know what kind of guy this guy is. Could be, you know, uh, an axe murderer or something. <laughs> and, and I said, nah, that's all good. I said, no, nah, I'm going to go and do it and I'm going to, you know, see what it's all about. Mm. So I went there and he gave, he pulled out these flip charts of prophecy. He pulled oh, out the wow. prophecies of the, of the, uh, Daniel and Revelation. Mm-hmm. And he showed me clearly that the Bible has actually foretold the future events mm-hmm. right up into our current day. Mm-hmm. And that amazed me. But you know the biggest thing that amazed me, Lawson? What was it? The biggest thing was when I, when, I, when I shared that story how I was in that, uh, that other church, right? We went there for about six months of our lives when we were younger. Mm. And I remember I was working at Macca's at the time, and I had to work on Sunday. They asked me to work on Sunday, and I thought, hang on, wait. We can't, I can't work on Sunday because the commandments say you can't work on the Sabbath. Mm. So I went to my, my uncle, and he shared with the pastor. And the pastor said, we'll have a meeting. So the pastor came out to me and he said, well, you know, you can actually, the, the, the law's been done away with. You know, the law's done away with. You don't need to keep Sunday anymore. You don't need to keep the, the Sabbath anymore. You can work on Sunday. Mm. So fast forward to the, the current conversation I'm having with this guy. He shows me that the Sabbath is actually not done away with and mm. it's irrelevant. And wow. it's a special day that God has just with us. And it's mm. like, you know, we, I, I think of it like a date day. You know, yeah, God wow. has that date day with us. And it's a special time where he specifically comes and communes with us. It's a day where we commune with him. And when he shared that with me, uh, you know, it v- virtually changed the way I, I, I looked at God, changed the way I looked at life. Mm. And it just stood out to me as a foundational truth that God wants us to know, mm. that God really cares about us. He loves us. You know, and for a young man with depression and, and anxiety and worried about certain things in life, it helped me to have a positive outlook on life. Mm. And so further on after that, um, I, you know, he said, come to church. And I said, oh, I don't know about that. And you know, it took me a little while. Sure. I started going to prophecy seminars and learning more about the prophecies that he shared. Yeah. And it just opened my mind and I just fell in love with the Bible, I fell in love with Jesus, and, and the, the fact that, that God has shown us our history already, what's mm. going to take place. He, he loves us so much yeah. that He wants to, to tell us what's going to happen so that we can know and trust Him and have faith in Him. Mm. Eventually, I, I came to church and it was, we went to a picnic day and I just found the people to be lovely. 
You know, yeah. they shared their food with me. They cared about me. They put the, you know, they came around me. They were interested about my life and they supported me through. And I ended up going to church. Uh, and later on that year, uh, I got baptized. Mm. Uh, in December of that year, I got baptized. And, uh, and not only did I get baptized, but because of my profession of faith, uh, there were people that were teetering. They were thinking, of, you know, they were thinking about baptism uh, in the church and they mm. ended up getting baptized as well. Wow. And so now moving on to my life, I, I, I felt the call of God. You know, when you read the scriptures, God calls to you and he says, you know, um, you know, go, go therefore and share the good news that you've heard. And so I have this passion and desire now to do what that guy did for me to share the good news of Jesus that he loves us and he cares for us and he's got a, he's planned our future and he's given us a hope. Wow, that is incredible. And I love, you know, God using the vehicle of the Sabbath to really reveal his character to you. Guys, we're doing a giveaway. It's coming to an end soon, but text in Sabbath at 0491-064-669. That's Sabbath at 0491-064-669. You'll be able to get our resource, the Sabbath gift that is all about that. But I, I love this. You're a young man looking for purpose. And I love that at that age of 18, usually people were, we're just, because I, I had a very similar experience becoming a Christian at 18 as well. And I, I see that so many people are jaded towards biblical truth, particularly when you can just lay it out and it's like, oh, these, this is prophecy. This is the facts. Like, how can you deny that God foretold what's, gonna happen in the future and for for yourself at 18 years old you're like wait i can see it nothing else can do this i should follow absolutely and it's amazing i i'm sure we could go on and on and on about your experience how god has blessed your life ever since you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different give us another quiz all right this quiz the question comes from Isaiah 52.7, and we want you to complete the verse. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth. Blank. Yeah, dot, dot, Blank. dot. It's, this is the one, so we're always, we kind of have a, a little bit of a tally, or at least we, we just like make lots of fun of each other when we give away the quiz accidentally. Yep. And <laughs> it's these types of questions that has caught all of us out. Like, the fill all, in the blanks. Yeah, yeah. The, the fill in the blanks. You know, we get itchy teeth and then we just want to say it. So, yeah, read it one more time. And just all right. Keep, Complete keep this mind. verse. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth. If you know the answer to this, well, to the rest of this verse, mm-hmm. uh, text it into 491 Absolutely. 0491 Of course, our prize for this week, the amazing Revive Cafe Cookbook, which we want to give to you absolutely for free. You just have to win the draw. And how do you win the draw? You just got to know stuff. Just answer in. And uh, yeah, we'll have more and more opportunities for you to get into the quiz for today. Now, hey, we are going to talk about a few things this morning. We're going to start off with the Church of England because, as I said in, in our introduction, they're just continually in the news basically since uh, since earlier this year when they had their, their synod, their council, and they decided to redefine their canon on marriage or, or delete a specific section on it, which the, the section that they deleted was that marriage is, between, is a lifelong union, union between a man and a woman. And since then, it has led to the ordination of trans leadership in in the Anglican Church, and uh, yeah, they now you know 
bless same-sex marriage and homosexuality is a big part of their identity. Now, there is a group that has split off called GAFCON, which they're, they're more of the evangelical side of the Church of England, and they're like, no, we, we don't think this represents us. We don't think this is biblically true or accurate. And then even here in Australia, it can be observed. You know, if you drive past the, the big Anglican church here in Newcastle, there's a few of them around, and you'll see, you know, LGBT flags flying and whatnot, whereas you head to maybe a St. Andrew's in, down in Sydney, and they are more on the evangelical side, and they're, they're not going down that route at all. Now, they just had another general synod, and this, this has come out as news from this general synod. And from, from this council, from this meeting, um, they have div- they've divested, so instead of invest, they've divested all of their pension funds and, and all the people that are part of you know, the, the, the investments of the Church of England that pays all their ministers and whatnot. All of the funds that are invested, which were previously invested in fossil fuels, have been now divested from fossil fuels and put into other industries. Um, and this has come as a result of lots of you know protesting and lots of campaigning from activists within the Church of England to to go, hey, you know, we shouldn't be invested in fossil fuel companies because they're ruining the earth and. Justin Welby, the the Archbishop of, of Canterbury, he's basically the, the leader of the, the the worldwide leader of the Anglican Church. He has been outspoken, uh, you know, since basically all the, all throughout this year. He's been outspoken about how policy change needs to happen in the UK and whatnot. I, I feel like I'm seeing stories about him, particularly in the Christian space. I'm seeing stories about him every couple of weeks about some comment that he's making about you know uh, England's policy on climate change and how they're not doing enough and whatnot. And so they've finally they've they've made their decision. They're like, hey, we're we're standing up for creation and, and in fact this is what justin welby says he's like the climate crisis threatens the planet we live on and the people around the world who jesus christ calls us to love as our neighbors it is our duty to protect god's creation and energy companies have a special responsibility to help us achieve the just transition to low carbon to the low carbon economy we need and he goes on and he's just like we need to get to net zero we need to you know we're all divesting out of the out of the fossil fuel companies and whatnot because that's what real jesus following religious people People do. So I'm interested. What what are they? What does he actually expect to get out of this? What what are they trying to get out of actually changing their their shift to renewable energies? Well, now, it's that they've they've divested from you know from their their investments in fossil fuel companies and they've pulled them out and put them into maybe renewable resources or whatever you know they've they've just taken it out and the main reason for this is to essentially is is to say that we don't support this and so we're removing everything you know we're calling the climate crisis out we're we're calling these companies out we're no longer going to have our pensions and whatnot invested in these things so that uh you know we can show that where we stand we stand on the site of yeah, I guess like looking after the world is a good thing, right? Mm. But uh, do you think there's some there's some a theory there's some sort of concept behind this that they trying to extend the world, keep it going a bit longer? You know, you know, we we look at prophecy and where we stand in the mm. in the time of prophecy, uh, and we see the world the way that it's going, and then you get these sort of they get these people that are sort of following this this idea that we can extend the world longer than what. You know, than what it's actually going to be. If we just do A, B, C, and D, these things will actually uh, will help us to push ourselves or project ourselves into the future. And we see this in you know, outside outside the religious sector. It's it's primarily in um, 
in in the mainstream that there's this renewable push is is going forward mm. in in quite uh, strong waves. Yeah, I mean, look, I am I I I get on here and I talk about you know good things that are happening in terms of environmental conservation. Like mm. I I God has given us this world as a steward. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation chapter eleven, it says, "I'll destroy those who destroy the earth." Mm. Like mm. like God is asking us to look after the planet, but the particular issue that I have with the Church of England is while they stand up and, and essentially grandstand and virtue signal over climate change and make this bit, you know, it's a, it's a press story because they're releasing it out and they're making all these comments like, yeah, you know, oh, true Christians would stand against all the terrible things yeah. happening to our climate simultaneously. They're, they're standing undoing God's work of creation, right? right. At the right. same time, the very foundation that exactly. they were built on, they're, they're undoing it. They're standing against morality. Uh. And they're, they're, they're virtue signaling over climate change, yet they're saying that the word of God can't be trusted to define what is and what isn't moral and right. So it seems as if they're going with something that's popular. Yeah. Do you think this, you know, that traditionally, recently, there's been a little bit of decline, I guess, in membership within, within the, you know, these, um, mainline historical Protestant mainline churches, Protestant yeah. churches, there's been a bit of decline. Do you think it's, this is their way of trying to get back into the, into the, the, the um, the culture of the day well, and to get the people coming back in? Well, interesting. What we've seen is that every church that embraces this, the best, uh, case study of this is the Uniting Church here in Australia. Every church that embraces this ideology instead of embracing god's word dies mm. like just falls off a cliff like really the membership like year on year losing 12 20 25 percent of their membership in a year like it's incredible to see just how far these churches fall because they yeah they make these changes like oh yeah we'll be in sync with popular culture but then simultaneously i think it's just the the sin of people and they just they just want to accept it right like i think that there, there would be members of the anglican church who are like oh well, i don't want to change in this regard or, or whatever it may be and so you know they campaign to as a worldwide church to accept sin rather than strive to overcome sin so that they don't feel like oh you know i'm condemned and as a result of it again then their, their religion means nothing again justin welby grandstanding here saying hey you know fossil fuels and whatnot this is if we really care about our neighbors and we really care about loving people then we'll stand against these companies but i read in like a james chapter one say i read you know if anyone among you thinks he is religious do not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble so to care for people yeah mm. we're all, like care for people and and yes Christians in the past have been cold and haven't cared for people and sure and they're like yeah we really care for people so we're going to stand against religion but then it goes on to say and to keep oneself unspotted from the world mm. and what I see in Anglicanism what I see in the Church of England is it's just completely spotted by the world it has been affected and influenced by the world so much so that they're just throwing away the word of God it appears that they're, they're basing their, their whole um, push off a of fear I yes. fear they're going to lose people, but like you said, mm. the very fact if they're going away from the scripture, they're going to lose people. Yeah, but I also see it as you know, as as the Bible says in in Second Timothy, I believe it's chapter two or three, where the Bible reads and it's like you know the, the end will be perilous times. People will be lovers of money and lovers of sin, and 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 it just goes through all these lists yeah. of sin. They will be lustful and they'll be ungodly and they'll be this and they'll be that, and we can just see that manifesting 
in the world and also in our churches mm. as well. Also, when he wants to talk about, oh, it's a Christian's job to to save creation and to do this and do that, I'm like, yeah, again, you know, the Bible says God destroys those who destroy the world, and we do have a responsibility to look after this earth Absolutely. that we live on. But the Bible also says, like, our main 100% goal that is given to us by God is to make disciples and to share with them the world. The Bible is very clear, and this gospel will be a witness to the whole earth, and then the end will come. And God will give us a new earth and a new heaven in which there isn't, you know, fossil fuels and dramatic climate change and all these different things. Like, I, 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 I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, let's look after the planet. Absolutely but to not. say you're not truly following Jesus if you're like invested in co- fossil fuel companies and we need to, st- you know, we need to stand with God on this one, but then to be totally against God in issues of morality, which are so clearly the biggest and God most ordained. important things. Mm. The biggest, most important issues at the end of time. I, it just, it just baffles me. Hey, maybe you're a part of the Church of England. We'd love to. You know, I, I'm not taking a shot at Anglican people. I'm just saying that the leadership of the Church of England, I, I can just see so clearly that they're they're taking these steps to grandstand. I just. I just hate it because I'm like, let's be really Christian. And what does it mean to be really Christian? To stand with God and to share the gospel. Like, mm-hmm. this is what we're being called to do. Um, and to be, again, as the Bible says, true religion is unspotted from the world. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not bow down to the world and its agenda and then, you know, grandstand over it and make everyone else feel bad. Hey, let's, let's stand with Jesus on this one. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And you're joined by myself, Lawson. We've got Nathan. And we're going to do a clue for the quiz, and then we're going to get Jeremy Dixon on the phone. So give us our next quiz. Okay, the next question is, which of these were not used by James as an analogy for the tongue? Uh, A, a horse bit. B, the helm of a ship. C, a double-edged sword. Or D, a small spark that starts with a fire. Here I'm going to read the question again. Which of these were not used by James as an analogy for the tongue? Uh, A, a horse bit. B, the helm of a ship. C, a double-edged sword. Or D, a small spark that starts a fire. If you know the answer to this um, quiz question, text into 0491-064-669. And, of course, our prize for this week is a book that is written by who we're doing an interview with today. Jeremy Dixon, are you there with us? Yes. Oh, amazing. We are so stoked to have you on this morning, of course, talking about all things amazing, healthy, tasty, incredible food. What are we going to be talking about today? Well, I thought I'd talk about all things lentils. Oh, let's go, dude. Oh, I love (laughs) lentils. How how do you feel about lentils, Nathan? Love them. Oh, yep. we, we are lentil fans in the studio this morning. All right. Good to hear you. So lentils are really cool. They, um, they're they really high in protein, low in fat. They're just kind of almost one of the perfect ingredients. Um, and they probably, you know, generally probably come from people kind of associate more with kind of lentil or kind of, you know, that kind of part, and you know, that kind of the world. Mm. Um, and um, I suppose my first, I just want to run through to kind of the three types of lentils we use a lot in the cafe. Mm. And which I recommend people use at home. There's a big sense of types. There's three basic ones. And the first one is red lentils. Okay. And, um, you should find them in every supermarket, in little bags or in the bulk bins. And they're very small. And the beauty of red lentils is that they cook so quickly. Like, um, you pretty much, the standard recipe starting point for any red lentil kind of recipe 
is one cup of red lentils and four cups of water. Ah. And you just simmer those for about 12 to 15 minutes and they kind of reduce down, become soft, and that's just an amazing base that you can use for, for anything. So um, that's kind of a starting point recipe. Um, it's, it's often nice to kind of rinse them before you start. Sure. Uh, some people think you should soak them. There's a bit of debate about whether you should soak lentils or not. I'm not a massive fan. I mm-hmm. think as long as they look clean and you're cooking them quickly, that should be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did just pretty much just one cup. So if you're getting home from work and you want to cook something really quick and tasty, just get some water and some lentils, and um, that's that's a really good base. Obviously, you want to add things to it, like yeah. for example, some you know some chopped onions or garlic or whatever. But in terms of your protein, kind of a big filling part, that's a, that's, a, that's a great thing. One of the the best recipes we've got is, um, for example, we've got a tarkadal in my second book, and that's basically what you do is you start off with your onions, your garlic. Um, some ginger and some oil, some mm. turmeric and some cumin and some coriander, and you kind of get those all, um, you know, all nice and um, you know, soft and everything. So we get kind of your base of those kind of you know ginger, garlic, onion kind of a base, and then you just add your, your one cup of lentils, your four cups of water, and then you just pretty much cook it for, for twelve to fifteen minutes, and you got a dough. It's just so simple. That is um, incredible. Yeah, I I have gotten into lentil cooking. I, I've used them as a replacement for a lot of things. Like I'll make spaghetti yeah. and put lentils instead of, you know, meat or, or I've made, you know, a lasagna again with lentils, those kinds of things. And they're just fantastic because they can, they just really go in as a great base and they can be f- like, if you, if you wash them and rinse them and cook them, they can really contribute to the flavor of the of the dish as in you know full uh, you know within within the flavor of the dish rather than you know being something really overpowering exactly and then they, yeah they've got a great great little flavor all the different lentils have kind of a different kind of flavor mm. but they kind of yeah they just just really really nice and yet they feel very filling mm. um another little tip when you're cooking them is um and i've never actually scientifically proven this um <laughs> okay. but uh but i do it anyway because it's not it doesn't hurt but pretty much you don't add salt at the beginning of the cooking, you add it at the end. Because some people say you can, the salt can inhibit the, the lentils kind of softening and, um, and opening up. So you want to add the salt at the end of the meal. Mm. Um, so I generally do that. I've um, got no scientific evidence to prove it, but <laughs> everyone pretty much does it. So I kind of, because um, it's not a major, I haven't proven it otherwise. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and that lentil I just showed you was basically just that onion and lentil base. And once you get that, you can just do so many things with it. You can, even by itself, it's actually really yummy. Yeah, um, it's actually just great as it is, just with the lentils and onions and a little bit of salt. Um, it's, honestly, it doesn't need much. You know, you can just add, for example, what, some things, quick things I often add is, for example, um, just some frozen peas, throw a cup mm. of them in just to kind of yeah. give it a bit of, of, um, of, of greenness. You can throw in some chickpeas. You can, I oh, just throw in anything really. It's just a, it's just a great universal base for a lot of, a lot of dishes. Serve it some rice or quinoa. Yourself a complete meal. It's just um, that that kind of a dal is just great. Yeah. Oh man, I can actually you know the lentils plus the onions plus like all of those. I've I've eaten that in pie form before. So like a kind yeah. of like a lentil pie mm. with all of those ingredients. Mm. Oh, it's just the best. Yeah, I've also had that. It's beautiful. It's so good. And just and also you just, you just add a little bit of Thai curry paste. You've got a Thai one. Oh. Um, add a little bit of extra curry. You've got an Indian one. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's just so flexible for that kind of that basic red lentil base. Mm-hmm. Uh, add a little bit of water and you've got yourself a soup. Wow. Um, it up, you've got more of a curry. So, you know, you can kind of just, you know, it's just, it's just so flexible. Mm-hmm. So we've started here with red lentils. What, what's the other types of lentils that you're using? What do you, what's, so the what are the is, of those? Yeah, yeah. So the other one is uh, brown lentils. Mm-hmm. 
And there's a few different types around. Some of them are kind of more browner than others, so you can get confusing. Some of them are kind of called layered lentils. There's some mm. really kind of light brown ones. They're kind of okay, but they're not quite as flavoursome. So the little little kind of brown lentils are the ones I, when you say brown lentils. And oh. I suppose one thing in this lentil space, everything's got different names and different versions, so it can be hard to diagnose. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the brown lentils are really good. And they're, they're kind of more of a meaty kind of flavour. They're really good for like a lasagna or like a kind of a casserole or something that's kind of more of a kind of a darker, brownie, meaty kind of flavour or kind of texture. And the brown lentils, they probably take about two to three times as long to cook. So they can take um, over half an hour to cook the brown lentils. Um, So you you do need to allow a bit more extra time with those. But they're kind of a bit more of a meaty taste. Very nice, something like sage or some of your kind of Italian kind of herbs, they kind of just bring out the meatiness in them. Mm. Um, a little bit of chili or something like that. So that's kind of your brown lentils. You generally keep some more kind of, you know, Italian kind of more meaty kind of, whereas kind of your dals, your red lentils are more kind of your, your dal, kind of more of a dal thing. So that's kind of red lentils, are, brown lentils are, are really good for them. Mm. Oh, man, that's fantastic. This is obviously, as always when we get you on the show here, it's making us hungry this morning. And I love, <laughs> dude, I love like a brown lentil mix-up on toast yes. that is like yes, my oh it, it is it, it again that's my replacement well. for, for for that's my replacement for um mince again it's just oh brown yeah. lentils on toast Oof. Yeah, particularly mix it with a can of tomatoes or something that kind of can of tomatoes and some brown lentils goes really well together as well oh that is um, amazing all right what's what's and, our last lentils and one thing we'll have to look, look out for with your lentils is um some of them, and we've had a, it hasn't happened for a while. We get occasional batch throughs. Sometimes they heat treat them. Uh-huh. So when they come through um, customs or the airports or containers, there's an issue. Sometimes if they think there's any seeds in there, they will heat treat them. When they basically put a lot, they heat it up to a certain degrees to kill all any, any kind of seeds that are there. Mm. And in the process of doing that, and it stops the lentil from cooking properly. Mm. So occasionally you'll you'll um, get a batch of lentils like, why is this not cooking? Why are these so hard? And most likely they'll be a heat-treated batch. So you'll take them to your supermarket or just throw them out or, or get, go and get another batch from another shop, and that normally solves it. So if that's not happening, it's probably heat-treated. I've definitely had that experience, and I've struggled with it and been frustrated thinking I did something wrong. I should have Maybe I should have soaked them overnight or for two nights instead of one, and so that's what the problem actually was. Wow, we've been vindicated this morning. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> Awesome. So my third, third kind of lentil we use, and I'll, I'll go this quickly because I've got a really cool recipe, a, a flatbread recipe, and I don't want to miss out on. Mm. And the third type is poi French green lentils. Oh. Um, and, and and they they kind of keep their shape. They cook, they kind of soft, but they keep their shape. So they're amazing for doing things with salads. So oh, wow. um, they so you cook them up just oh, like brown yeah, lentils, but they go they don't go soft and soggy. They keep their shape and they're still kind of soft. Mm. So French poi green lentils, whatever you want to call them, they're a little bit greener in kind of colour. Mm. Um, they're really, really good for keeping their shape for salads and um, things where you kind of want to keep that that kind of texture rather than things going mushy like most lentils mm. do. Mm. Oh yeah, I can. I'm I'm just looking at them now because I'm like, have I ever eaten green lentils before? But I looked them up. I'm like, I definitely <laughs> have. They are fantastic because they because they even when you cook them, they still as you said retain their shape and that like you know crisp you know nice salad. They just oh so good. Yeah. Yeah, I use French lentils yeah. a lot, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Fra- yeah. What, do you, what do you use French lentils for? Yeah, exactly that. Salads, or I like to put them on the side, put a little garnish on top of it, you know, a bit of, oh, bit wow. of cream, whatever, you, like uh, the sour cream, whatever, and yeah. Oh, sounds so good. Yeah. 
Okay, so we've got it. We've got our dishes here. It sounds like to me you can do a, a three course meal off of these different lentils right here. You know, you got your lentil <laughs> salad, you got your lentil lentil on bread entree, and then you've got your lentil red lentil main event. But uh, you said you wanted to share a recipe with us. Yeah, so the other one thing is really cool, and this is this is the most coolest recipe is you can make lentil flatbreads. Oh wow! And you won't believe this works, but it does. So you get one cup of red lentils mm-hmm. and two cups of hot water, not boiling, and you blend that up in the blender. And then that, and then you, a traditional recipe is you'd want to make it soak overnight. But what I do is I just put the hot water, blend it, then let it sit for five minutes, and then blend it again so it's nice and smooth and creamy. And that's five minutes gives the opportunity for the water to soak through and give a really nice creamy mixture. So you, you've got this really blended cream mixture. All it is is red lentils and hot water. Now, you can add, for example, salt as well if you want to as well. So you can add a teaspoon of salt. And you've got mm. this basically this pancake mix. Mm. And what you do is you basically get your pan, a little bit of oil, and then you put them on the frying, put, put it in a frying pan on medium heat and probably about two minutes each side. And you've got these amazing, flexible, stringy, beautiful flatbreads that are just so versatile. And you would not believe that the ingredients are just lentils and water and a little bit of salt. Wow, that is incredible! And then, you, so you're making your own flatbread, and what, what do you what do you put on that? You know, what, what's what's your go to? Um, well, you can just use that to, use it as, instead of like instead of like a um, a naan or a um, a roti or something like that. You can use it to spoon up your curries. You can just wrap it and you know make a big one and wrap it in some some salad vegetables and use it like a wrap. Mm. Um, so it's just a really really cool little thing. Make little ones. As, and make little kind of dirty things. Mm. Um, or you can even, you know, put some turmeric powder and some other spices in it and kind of make it a bit more exciting. But as a basic base, even just a simple recipe is actually quite nice. Oh, wow. And, of course, like if I was to pull out my homemade lentil bread, of course, given that the people I was providing it for didn't listen to this show and find out how easy it is to make, then I would definitely yeah. get chef points because they'll be like, wait, this guy makes his own bread? <laughs> Are you serious? That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. And obviously, when you're kind of you're frying, you know, when you're doing anything kind of like a patty or a bread or something, the first one's always a bit of a bit of a test run. So it mm. takes a couple to kind of get your you know, your pan temperature right and your kind of your thickness and do you want a little bit more water or that kind of a thing. But they're, they're really, really cool. And obviously, you can use a good non-stick fry pan. Mm-hmm. It will stick to a kind of a, a, a non-non-stick fry pan. Mm. Um, you know, they're a really, really cool little thing to um, test. The thing is, though, they won't last. You, if you put them in the fridge and have them a, you know, a couple of hours later, they kind of go kind of um, – they lose their nice texture. So you kind of want to um, – just mm. something kind of really want to have pretty pretty much fresh. Mm, um, that's a really cool recipe to try. And the glue is all gluten free and virtually no fat apart from the oil. It's just a great little little flatbread recipe. It's healthy. It's a blessing. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to continue on with our show. But hey, if you're going to make lentils tonight, send us send us some hands up emojis or tell us your favorite lentil recipes. And oh man, I'm keen. I'm keen to chuck something together. But right now, this is Rescue with a Beautiful. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.